This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Hi, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Uh, this is yet another coffee stream. I'm actually almost finished with my coffee. Uh, thank you for joining. What I want to find out is my guest on the other side, as you can see, is the, the marvelous Gareth Cliff. But I, I forgot to ask you earlier, Gareth, are you drinking coffee at the moment? I, I, I do drink coffee. I'm not a huge coffee fan. I'm more of a tea guy. Um, but yeah, I, I almost don't know whether we should be even talking to each other because the kind of people who we talk to on our various shows on a day-to-day -day basis are the people who just agree with us. And it sometimes feels like we're, <laughs> we're in confirmation bias land and yeah, know, well, just, just propping each other up the whole time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but, but listen, coffee is a very serious conversation. I mean, I grind my beans. No. I'm, I'm a snob. Yeah, you're a coffee snob. I'm not, I'm not one of those. Sorry, I'm uh, not in your, okay. well, I'm not so in your ballpark. So when you buy coffee, do you buy Jacobs or Nescafe or what? Uh, no, no, no. I'm not a complete philistine. I I have a Nes <laughs> I have an espresso machine, and I I like you know certain of the pods are better than others. So I'm starting to make a discerning uh, call on on what particularly I like and what I don't. But I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not uh, not a fanatic. Put it that way. Well, as everybody in the comments can see, uh, Gareth has joined me. We. We wanted to start a few minutes later so that I can I could give him a chance to finish his show uh, this morning. Was it a good show, Gareth? I wasn't listening. Of course it is. It's always a good show. Otherwise, why bother doing it? Fantastic. Okay. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> uh, Rich Mulholland has joined us. Hello, Rich. Oh, hey, Rich. Um, Rich was on on my stream a few uh, days ago. Fantastic conversation. Uh, Brahman has joined us. He's saying he's he's here just oh, for Gareth. Kavanagh. Very good. Um, good. Yes, the comments are going wild already. I can't even read them. Um, so Gareth and I have absolutely zero script. Um, I've asked Gareth to come and chat to me as if we we're in a coffee shop. Um, so we can talk about literally anything. Uh, Rich, Rich, by the way, said to me a couple of days ago that he isn't a coffee snob and he doesn't understand how people can be a snob about anything. Yeah. Uh, no, Rich, Rich is probably one of the most sensible people I know. So... If he says it's stupid to be a coffee snob, it's probably stupid. <laughs> he's, a, he's a smart guy, old Rich, eh? No, I love him. Love him to pieces. He's an absolute gem. And, and he is one of the few people who's kept a sane head through this lockdown situation too, which I must thank him for. I also think he deserves a, a, a thanks and gratitude from me for, uh, for stepping into the fray over the last couple of days when I've, um, you know, I've done what you should not do. You, you should not speak out and voice your concerns about an overly tyrannical government. You should be quiet. You should be a good citizen. According yes. to the Karens of the world, yes. you should shut up and do as you told and government will look after you like a big old daddy. Well, since we're on that, um, Gareth, uh, how have you been keeping? Everyone wants to know. I'm fine. I'm I'm absolutely fine. I mean, this is the the whole point about this lockdown, right? Is if you are, as as I suppose you are as well, and and a handful of us in South Africa, if you're self-sufficient, and you have a business which is largely online, although a lot of our clients are in big trouble because they're not online, um, and if you are living in a nice house and you have the freedoms that that I exercise within the space that is legally mine to own. I don't have a horrible lockdown, and that's why when I complain um, in letters to the president and so on, 
about things that concern me. It's not for my own interest that I'm doing so. I'm not doing this because I'm a bored housefrau who is upset that I can't buy hot chicken at Woolworths. I'm doing it because these are genuinely problems which I believe will affect all South Africans, the poor in a disproportionate fashion to the rest of us. But I don't speak on behalf of anyone else. I'm speaking because these are things that worry me in the long run when it comes to our liberties and our ability to to live in a in a free society that's all it is gareth i want to take exception to what you said though you 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 referenced that it's not about buying hot chicken in the shop i want to actually say that it should be about those small things because all the small things add up um we should be outraged if we can't buy hot food it's it's an absolutely insanely stupid regulation makes zero sense it doesn't even i mean i don't even follow the wuhan health organization and even they say that there's no evidence well it's interesting i mean precisely what you're saying is true so the the president what's his name again uh, something uh fal- you're talking Bar- about Ross. the you're talking about the, the who what's his name yeah the uh, i can't remember his WHO. name either anyway he went and and there's a there's a very uh, accessible clip which you'll find online where he criticizes countries in Africa that, that go into lockdown because he said people need their daily bread. Tedros. Tedros, thank you. I was going to say Putros, Putros, Gali, but he was an Ethiopian who headed up the UN, an, an equally partisan organization not so long ago. Anyway, um, he went on and said that this, this lockdown is bad for African countries because ordinary people live on subsistence and for many of them they earn wages, not salaries. Um, and they need to earn every day. So, you know, even the WHO mm. is, is is saying that this is a very bad situation for us to be in, this lockdown situation. And again, it has to be said, when I say we, because this is what a lot of people have leveled at me as some kind of criticism, I don't mean white people, I don't mean rich people, I don't mean poor people, I don't mean black people. Unlike politicians and people who depend on... Uh, big corporations for their payments every week. I don't owe anyone an explanation, and I'm not looking for a vote. Mm. So be very very suspicious of those in society who keep telling you that I'm bad or that germ is bad or anyone else is bad. We're not the ones who are asking for anything from no. you. I'm certainly not. I've never charged my listeners a single cent, and I, I'm not about to start doing that. And also, Gareth, uh, we we don't speak on behalf of, of other people. Uh, we want people to... Yeah. I mean, I believe people are smart enough, by and large, to make up their own minds. Although, having said that, when you watch the amount of people that want to be locked down, I, I sometimes wonder if I'm being too optimistic. Dude, I despair. For, I, I honestly, I'm very concerned for the number of people in this country who seem to be more than willing to just give up their rights and to, and to let, you know, in the name of keeping you safe from some invisible enemy... Mm. Um, people, are, people are just giving up on everything else that matters. It's childish. It's it, there's no other way to put it but childish. I had an argument with a, a grade one teacher. Let me mm. read this to you quickly. Yeah. This will amuse you. I read it on my show this morning, but it's. I think it might uh, make you smile. So, this woman is obviously afraid, and and you can hear the fear in some people's voices. You know. So mm. she says. This is her main problem with me. Please stop asking for the lockdown to be lifted. This country is not yet passed P-A-S-S-E-D. Thank God she doesn't teach further than grade one. Uh, The critical period of infection. 
I personally don't want to die, nor do I want to see those close to me dying. Blah, blah, blah. And she carries on. And she says, I teach grade one learners. Economies are suffering. People are suffering. It's inevitable. But ending the lockdown too soon will kill thousands. And then who will we have to stimulate the economy then? So I just, my response to her, and I'm not being an asshole about this, but I'm, I'm too tired to argue with people like that. So I said, stop being an idiot. And I blocked her. Because I don't even want followers. Frankly, if you, if you mm. follow me, great. If you don't, great. I'm, I'm not looking Gareth, for... Gareth, it strikes me as so strange, right? That this is what happens when you buy into sensationalized media and, and uh, politicizing, right? People mm-hmm. think that, that this is some sort of deadly zombie virus that will kill you if you breathe it in. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Yeah. It's and, uh, absolutely you've been, not. You've been... You've been doing some very good work in terms of, of trying to bring about what little uh, sensible knowledge mm. there is in the, on the internet with regard to this thing. And just based on, on the little bits I've seen of your stuff and even the revisions from the WHO themselves yeah. show that this thing, I mean, everywhere in the world, they're downgrading the risk. Yeah. And they're looking at the number that, you know, there's the numerator and the denominator. And the numerator we know because that's the number of people who've died. Yeah. or the number of people infected. And it turns out that that denominator, which is the people we don't know about, or the people who are infected that we do find out about later, is growing day by day and, and making this threat seem smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And what we've done is we put the world economy on hold. We And remember, you can't pause an economy. You either stop it and then it has to restart, which is tremendously costly and very, very painful and does tremendous damage um, you either you either stop it or you carry on with it and I'm, I'm very worried about the fact that we've stopped a system that has pulled more people out of poverty than any other system and we've consigned it to uh, a cupboard somewhere until we can overcome this fear over this disease and then we'll hopefully be able to move on it, this is like someone who gets beaten by their husband and they think if they just tell him that they love him, he'll stop beating. Them. Yeah, it's weird. Um, you don't have to agree with me, but I, I actually appreciate... Thanks. There's no chance of that. <laughs> Having to agree with you, can you imagine? <laughs> but um, I appreciate the fact that there are so many people starting to revolt. Um, I really think it's a good thing. You know what? I, f- I find I find these Facebook Karens so strange when they say stuff like, "We need to snitch. We need to report on these people breaking the rules." Are they the same people who snitched and bro- and reported black people during apartheid who broke the rules? You know, there's a difference between a law and a just law. And when you have a law that stops people from earning a living, that is unjust, Gareth. You don't have to tell me. Mm. I'm completely in agreement with you there. Um, you know, there's an interesting philosophy which is starting to creep into this lockdown mentality, and I, I think it's an interesting one. So, what's going to happen is, and and this is this is an absolute thing we do know, um, as opposed to the virus and the numbers that will will go down there, which we don't know even yeah. now. These countries are still giving, you know, uh, either huge priority or, or they're just not sharing the, that data with with their their people. Um, the fact is that we do know that the economy is going to be hit very hard. The world economy and then our own economy here yeah. in South Africa. And the, the direct result of that is that people will lose jobs. Um, 
even those who have jobs will be earning probably a little less. Uh, your money won't go as far. The price of everything is going to go up. Inflation's going to go yeah. up. Uh, currencies are going to be devalued. So overall, it's going to be an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah. And as a result, people's lives will get harder, considerably harder. Now, the problem is that when you say that to people, they go, oh, well, you're only interested in money. But they're, they're failing to realize that starvation is not a money thing. Starvation is a life thing, just like the virus killing you is a life thing. Yeah. And everything in public policy is a trade-off. You don't get... There is no perfect situation where everybody wins, where nobody dies from the virus and nobody loses a job. If you go into lockdown, you may save a few lives in the interim. You may just delay that curve yeah. from hitting too soon and you may uh, stop the, the medical fraternity from being overwhelmed by uh, cases pouring in. But, but that hasn't happened anyway. But you still no, it hasn't happened anywhere, which I find very, very suspicious. Mm. And and I'm not conspiratorial at all because I don't think countries, all the countries in the world, would have made the same stupid mistake which they seem to be doing um, with lockdown. But here's the thing that's going on, right? So ultimately, people are going to come out of this lockdown and they're going to look back and go, it "Seems that when we trust government." And that when we rely on government, because that's what can, a lot of people are now going to be reliant on government in this country anyway, 350 rand food parcels, and yeah. you've got four kilometer long lines. It's oh, and by the way, no, no social distancing in those four kilometer no, of course, lines. No, 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 it's sickening. So those are people who believe in statism, right? They believe the government can help them. And the government will fail because the government eventually runs out of money, other people's money. And what you end up with is a state that is a delinquent parent. So all those people who are looking for Cyril to be their daddy are going to find themselves in a situation where he can no longer provide for them. And their daddy is going to do what so many people who are statists have already experienced. Their daddy's going to leave them. And they're going to be abandoned and fatherless. And I say that as no glib comment on the fact that that is the single biggest psychological problem with people yeah. in South Africa. Black and white, um, fatherlessness, the lack of good male role models is precisely why people turn to the state for help because they never had that when they were a child and I think there are people far more qualified than me Craig Wilkinson um, people who've been studying fatherlessness in South Africa as a problem and they will tell you that the absence of fathers is the reason that so many people put such stake in the state because they never had a daddy and they think well if the daddy's big enough and has enough money they can help me then of course you can have those people who say well the free market is the best way to help people, both in and out of a pandemic. Mm. And those people will have an excellent argument in their favor after this because they'll say, look at the world. Everywhere where states like the United States, South African government, everywhere else, they've climbed in and said, here's 500 billion, here's $3 trillion. And they're throwing money at people and it's not sustainable. And the free market people will say afterwards, look, despite all of the largesse that government promised you, despite them putting everything on hold and saying, we're going to make a decision that's for your benefit, and we will reward you by, by trying to help you in some way, even though you're not earning your own money and you're not out there in the free markets, here's how the state's better. It's, it's going to be a dismal failure in every country where it's been. Yeah. And as a result, capitalists and free marketeers will say, Look here, here is absolute proof, 
finally, of the argument that the free market is much stronger than the government. However, we know that the government does not like free market capitalism. Um, it no. likes centrally controlled economies, and it's pushing towards that. So, unfortunately, it's almost like we're farting in the wind. Well, yes, but as I say, there's going to be incontrovertible proof at the end of this fart. And the, the, the incontrovertible proof is going to come in the form of all these huge state bailouts, effectively. Yeah. And the state taking responsibility for everyone's wages collapsing. And it's going to collapse. It's just not sustainable. And when it does collapse, people will go, but you promised. And I think even the dumbest people, some small part of them will realize, hang on a second. I was better off when I was earning my own daily bread. I was better off when I was in mm. charge of my own destiny. I was better off when I wasn't reliant on the handouts of Big Brother. Yeah. And that that's going to be a, it's going to be an ugly lesson to learn, but maybe the people who've been moaning the most about this capitalists and free marketeers and saying end the lockdown, maybe this is all working in our favor. I I have to I have to laugh. Uh there's a comment <laughs> <laughs> by somebody called moderate but i don't know if you re if you realizes the irony in what he just said but he <laughs> let me read it he says all you need to be successful number one come from a stable home number two finish skull s-c-h-o-l-l -L. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what he means yeah so, i'm sorry so, i don't mean exactly. to laugh but then <laughs> and, by, and by the way from from the point of view of he, he's absolutely right about those two the third point is that you should you should find a job and stick to it yes whatever that job is and i've yeah. been telling people um, who've asked me I don't know why they would ask me because I'm not an expert in this field but mm. we're all going to have to do jobs we don't like right. um, after this we're going to have to fix roofs we're all going to have to do a little bit of manual labor we might have to do uh, jobs that we might have considered beneath us beforehand um, just to earn a, enough money and, and we're all going to have to become freelancers and multitaskers there's no such thing as you know I'm just an accountant or I'm a uh, a YouTube influencer. Those things don't exist. No, they don't. You're going to have to. You're going to have to earn money in a proper way. And his third, his three points are because I've heard this argument very well articulated by Ben Shapiro, and it's absolutely, again, incontrovertible. Number one, uh, you you need to you need to to not get married before eighteen, right? You need to finish school before you get married and before you have children. Sure. Um, Sounds pretty have, obvious. Well, it is, but but for lots of people, it just doesn't seem to work that way in their lives. Mm. So number one is don't have kids before you're ready. Um, the marriage thing is is voluntary, but don't have kids before you're you're an adult and before you've you found a way to pay for that kid. Number two is make sure that you finish your your education, finish school, and do the best you can at school. Um, and in this country, if you can get into university, great, but it's not a prerequisite for success. And the third one is that you have to find a job and do it. Whether it's bricklaying or plastering or making sandwiches, there is no such thing as undignified work. Work is work is dignity. You know, Gareth, sorry. Sorry, yeah. just on that, before I forget, I had Herman Mashaba on my stream yesterday, and there... Despite perhaps his iffy politics today, nobody can deny that he worked hard when he was growing up in a system that opposed him. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's a great he's a great example, and that's precisely why the left hate him so much. 
because he has proven that despite all the things that they regard as decent excuses for their own lack of success and it's always i mean there's you know the politics of resentment we must never underestimate mm. it's it's been well documented by innumerable studies and i i'm happy to find them and cite them for any of your listeners who are interested um where people who have figured out that the reason that certain people uh, they proffer themselves as spokespeople for the poor and then complain about the state of the world and how unfair it is you know i'm talking about lefties and socialists and so on more often than not the reality is that they're not actually interested in the welfare of the poor they're actually interested in the hatred of the rich yes that's the thing that motivates them um so so these are not people to be trusted in times of 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 trial in times of of hardship these are people to be avoided at all costs because they're filled with resentment. And most of the time they're filled with resentment because they themselves have never figured out how to make themselves useful to the world economy or to provide something which other people are willing to pay for. Whether it's ideas, inventions, mm -hmm. hard work, mostly those people are not the kind of people who can do anything that other people will pay to have them do. And so they're resentful. And they think wealth is a system of inequalities and networks and and you know kind of brotherly secret societies I don't know where this comes from every cent I've made as far as I can tell and I've got the invoices to prove it I've had to do something for I didn't get any special deals yeah. and maybe it's because of that that so many people in the left of, of of politics end up having to go into government because government is actually the only place where you are rewarded for those things and maybe because they believe in it so much they go into politics because those networks actually exist there and it's a, it not only is a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy for them in some way but it also is one of the few places where they can pretend that they're, they're, they're adding value to the system and they're, they're really not but they can feel good about themselves that they're not just taking on what you're saying though somebody in the comments gareth actually added to what you're saying about getting a job and sticking to it and i 100 percent agree with this find meaning and purpose mm -hmm. you yes, know absolutely i mean look again meaning and purpose you know i've been keeping busy during this lockdown i do a bit of painting i do a bit of kind of um architectural design i'm not qualified as a as an architect I also do a bit of inorganic chemistry. It's not something I'm qualified in. I read a lot about subjects. Uh, I'm doing a short course through Long Island University in Egyptology at the moment, just to keep myself interested. Because I think you derive enormous meaning from learning things and then from putting those things into action. Now, I'm not about to go and start, you know, brushing rocks in the in the, the north of Africa to try and find the next Rosetta Stone and I'm not going to invent something in my laboratory that's going to cure COVID-19 but and I'm also not going to paint the next Mona Lisa but all of these things give me meaning they mm -hmm. make they fulfill me and if your job doesn't fulfill you a little bit you're in the wrong job I mean you've discovered this Jim, yes 100% the, the long hard way yeah you are you're an extraordinarily creative guy you're also very politically aware and and you combine these in your craft of of doing these magnificent cartoons which 
ultimately, when you probably thought after all the newspapers who, by the way, are going to find themselves in the shit that you found yourself in when they all turned on you, mm. uh, they're all about to go out of business. And I think a good time for them to do so, actually. Yeah. I won't feel, I will not be crying when the Mail and Guardian prints its last edition. I will not be crying when the Sunday Times has to shut its doors. I, I think all of these institutions have taken so much for granted and they've also been purveying fake news and lazy journalism for such a long time now. They deserve, yeah. Yeah. they deserve to be punished. Um, do something that means something to you and look at what happened to you. You ended up finding people who were not only willing to pay you but to pay you more yeah. for the things that you're really good at. Yeah. And, and and for for your contribution to society, not to the bank of of Jeremy Nell. Yeah, know? and I mean everything around me is is as you pointed out to, uh, about yourself. Everything around me is through my own hard work. You know, I haven't um, had handouts. I've worked very hard, and let's be honest, the kind of work that I do uh, is absolutely at the bottom of the food chain. It's not an essential on any on, by any means. It's just it's just entertainment and commentary. But nevertheless, people appreciate it just like they appreciate what you do. Um, there are so many comments. Quickly, Gareth, let me just uh, read one or two. Um, Arno, Arno says he's a hairdresser and wants to point out that your hair is getting long. Yeah, it's ridiculously long. Arno, thank you. If you'd like to have my address, I don't mind breaking the lockdown rules and smuggling you in somehow. Um, <laughs> to cut my hair. Uh, I, mean, uh, I seriously need a haircut. Herman Rus, Herman Rus, who's in the comments now. He was on my live stream, and Gareth, you might want to get him on your show. He's a tobacco farmer uh, who is who's got a wonderful story, but he's struggling seriously. And and people hate tobacco farmers because they see them as some sort of great evil to society. What what people don't understand is the very important role tobacco farmers actually play in the in the in the ecosystem of the economy. Um, and he says here. Uh, the problem with society is once you start to do studies on interesting ideas, some people start turning on you. I think he's right. Well, a lot of people who are the same, you know, people who we were complaining about just now, who are happy to be sheep, yeah, and to do as they're told, and to not have to think things through, um, because it's too much work to do that. Rather, just take whatever you're given and put it straight into the machine and because someone smarter than you or someone who's prepared to work harder than you has already done the work you mm. can just hope for the same result um, these are the these are exactly the people that, that poor Herman is probably going to deal with and if you introduce an idea to society which they're uncomfortable with and requires them to change their mind it's that's work um, yeah. for some people it's too much work it's the same as 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 putting up a fight against this this dreadful media bias that we have in the world and in this country there are just no trustworthy news sources you actually have to you have to observe a panoply of them and then discern using quite a lot of energy which is why I'm trying not to watch as much news as I used to even though it's part of what I do it's exhausting but you have to do it yourself you have to actually ascertain from various news sources what the truth really is and yeah. trying to work out somehow uh, you know minding all those politically correct obstacles that are put in your way which which you can only identify if you're if you're awake to the fact that 
the, these media organizations rely on ratings, they rely on, rely on fear, and many of them are ideologically poisoned. Very. They are, they're run by journalists who've come out of the humanities of South African universities, very poor level of education, can't spell, can't read, can't write, pull things off of Twitter and call it news, and are only interested in furthering the ideologies which made them popular when they were students. And, and they, they, they earn so little money mm. that they consider themselves to be victims of the system. Yeah. And, and not victors, not people with a, a gainful job and, and employment. Jonathan yeah. Witt has joined us. and uh, oh, Very good. God, um, everybody's here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jonathan, Jonathan says uh, it's called the success sequence. Finish high school, get a full-time job, and wait until tw- age 21 to get married and have children in that order. Yeah, and you see, in order to make those decisions, you need to be raised properly, not by wolves. Um, And again, uh, this is a very touchy subject in South Africa, but everywhere, everywhere in the world. If you look at the problem that they've got in Britain at the moment with, um, you know, this kind of this chav culture that they have there. These are people who've been raised by very bad parents. Mm-hmm. You know, parents who are trying to be their kids' friends, parents who are absent a lot of the time, parents who are who are frankly in dereliction of duty. And I, you know, Ben Kopinski, who's often on my show, says he reckons that for every sentence that a person under the age of 25 gets, the parents should get a quarter of that sentence too. Sure. For having made that mm-hmm. person derelict. Yeah. And And I think it's probably something worth considering. You know, parents end up taking very little blame for raising shit people Um, and I'm so in awe of great parents um, who put themselves fourth, fifth, sixth in the line of of priority they prioritize their children's education they prioritize their children's health, they prioritize their children's happiness, they make sure that everything they want is on the back burner it's a very my god it's, it's the most um, it's the biggest sacrifice anyone can make and I have worlds of respect for good parents but a bad parent not only did you make that child carelessly but then you raised it carelessly to me there should be there should be an ensuing punishment and, mm. and society shouldn't let you get away with that neither should your child frankly uh, they yeah. should be entitled to to take damages from you for the fact that you raised them badly even if they're unaware of it at the time well, speaking of being a good parent, you're getting a lot of love for Carl, who's lying on the couch there behind you. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's a spoiled animal if ever there was. Um, I wouldn't say that he's really wanting, and he loves lockdown. Obviously, all of our pets do. How old is Carl? He's now nine. You've had a few issues with him in the past, haven't you? Sort of health issues, haven't you? No, no, no not at all. He's he's actually been a dream dog from the okay. from the get-go. The only, the only thing I don't like about Carl is that he snores which which means that my already interrupted and and messy sleep routine is is compromised even more um and then duncan mcleod has joined us and Excellent. uh how's duncan it duncan wrote a fantastic article yes. the other day on 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 tech uh, central yeah. about e-commerce i i don't know whether ibrahim patel's woken up from his socialist slumber or not but the fact that we're the only country in the world that you can't have deliveries and you can't order things online is just 
the most childish nonsense mm. I've ever heard in my life. So well done to Duncan for that article. So everybody in the comments, please go to techcentral.co.za. Duncan is the editor and he wrote yep. an incredible piece. He wants to know, though, uh, being the tech guy he is, Gareth, what microphone are you using? Because he says it looks very interesting. All right. So actually, if Duncan's interested, then I will give him a little uh, tour here. So this is called a Bumble. Now, I've just disconnected us. Hang on. There we are. So that's called a Bumblebee. That's the one that I'm using now to connect to you via Skype. But for the shows in the morning, I use this one, which is a, you can see that, right? Mm. It's a, yeah. A Ruder condenser mic. Um, and this one is, I think you're, you're also using Rhoder. Oh, no, sorry. This is Audio Technics. Um, and this one I use for the show in the morning, which we do through a, a Comrex. And I've got a whole desk set up over here as well. So the, the show in the morning sounds just like I was in studio, which is kind of nice. I'm, I don't know they'll ever go back to the studio. Well, when when you speak about microphones, I listen <laughs> because you certainly um, yeah. know your stuff. Well, you know, more and more people are doing their own content online now. Mm. And these kind of microphones, the one that I'm using to talk to you on now, are not that expensive. And even if you're just doing a lot of Zoom meetings, right? Um, it's a very viable thing. You can also order... Once we can order online, you can order things from, you know, from some of these uh, online stores, which are very, very good. Condenser microphones, uh, directional microphones, ones that don't have to cost you an arm and a leg, and that just improve the whole. Uh, I don't know what the difference between any of them are, but I know that this one is not it's not terribly bad. This is about five thousand no, rand good. or something. I don't I don't know what it is. I can't remember. Dude, you could you could have spent uh, an eighth of that and got the same quality of sound. Well, I've got it now, so I'm not complaining. Um, okay, lots of comments. Peter in the comments, going back to what you were saying earlier, he says CBS News has admitted that alarming footage of an overflowing ward used during a report on the virus crisis in uh, New York hospitals was actually shot in Italy. And that's exactly what you were talking about, Gareth. Uh, the, uh, what, you know, finding the truth and, uh, you know, amongst all the fake news. Yeah, I... I'm just, I'm so sick of this fake news. And you know that that hospital ship pulled into New York and they turned the whole Javits Center into a field hospital and it was chaos. And Andrew Cuomo was on the news saying, mm. we will not lose one life, which is the most bizarre promise a politician could ever make. You know, it's funny governments who are all suddenly saying they're not going to lose one life. Governments in the history of humanity have put more people to the sword, mm. sent more people to war sacrificed more people to disease and 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 sent huge swathes of their population into hunger and depravity without a second thought are these the same people we're going to believe when it comes to protecting us from a, a virus in the 21st century you should be ashamed if you still put any faith in the organs of state mm -hmm. and i know that for some people there are no options they don't have anything to look to but the state right but we should be helping those people. Charities. I mean, the fact that ordinary South Africans cannot distribute food parcels. You can't go out and help uh, a bunch of people you don't know um, with food because you, you don't have a permit. It's ridiculous. Absol that is just the most cruel and callous thing that I've ever heard. Forget all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and frankly, between us, whether or not they lift the lockdown to level three by Thursday, Friday, it doesn't affect me at all. It affects poor people lining up for food parcels. And the fact that the government is the only one allowed to give them food parcels. And I, 
I question how good those food passes are, frankly. I also agree with that. And you know, funny enough, Herman Mashaba yesterday, uh, he mentioned how bad apartheid was. And then he said, but. And he spoke about this lockdown. And whenever, whenever you hear uh, comparing apartheid to now and they have a but, you know that there's going to be something serious coming. Um, and I mean, Unati Kwaza, who's been on my stream as well, I think you know Unati. Um, she she says that uh, that people in the townships have been ignored. You know, here, here you have a bunch of middle class people deciding, uh, and wealthy people deciding on the future of the poor people without even asking them what they would like. I mean, I asked Unati the other day, I said, do you think if the people in Kailicha where she lives were asked if they would want to carry on working and taking their chances with the virus, what would they do? And she said they would take their chances with the virus so that they can yeah. earn a living. Yeah, but, but, but you know what happens here. Most of the people who claim to speak on behalf of the poor have never received a mandate from them. No. And the politicians who have received a mandate from them quickly forget who gave them that mandate and act in their own interests, especially in South Africa. Yeah, Charlie in the comments says uh, you cannot lock down countries with severe poverty like South Africa. Um, however, it does work in some instances. For example, New Zealand, we have reached zero new cases. But I just want to say, Charlie, without getting into the technical stuff, um, there's a there's a there's an incorrect correlation that you're making there. A lockdown doesn't necessarily lead to fewer cases. Uh, isolation does. And remember that lock people get confused in what lockdown means. Um, I'm speaking as a as a political um, implementation. Sweden, Taiwan, numerous countries uh, have isolation measures uh, and not lockdown. So lockdown doesn't necessarily mean fewer cases. Please understand that. Um, and you also, you cannot have a state-sanctioned lockdown, Gareth, that just by asking nicely. You have to have a degree of state force, and that's, and that's where it becomes problematic. Well, every rule that's ever made, you have to think about what the ultimate confrontation may result in and the state has a monopoly on violence so even if it's something like you should be wearing a mask when you go into a shop yeah if you refuse then they say well we'll fine you if you refuse to pay yeah. the fine then they say we'll jail you if you refuse to go to jail then they say well we'll shoot you now you have to be prepared when you're making rules if you're in government you have to be prepared to make rules that will end in someone who doesn't want to follow those rules being killed and you've got to look at the rule and go is this worth it and I, I don't mean to be spurious about this this mm. is not a small matter if you're if you're going to create a rule like for example that you you're not going to sell cigarettes and yeah. if someone is, is is going to be um, forced to buy cigarettes on the black market that you're then going to take you know all all measures legal measures to take that person out you have to think about whether or not it's really worth shooting someone as the state over a packet of, of illegal cigarettes. And if it isn't, it's nuts. You, need to re you need to reform that rule. It's not the people who break the rule who need to be punished. Mm. It's you as the state that needs to be punished for making irresponsible rules. It looks like I, I mean it's it sounds so obvious, but it drives me up the wall. Man. But isn't it weird? You talk about it sounds so obvious, Gareth. But that's exactly what I said a month ago when the government started saying, "Please wash your hands." I mean, anyway, uh, Ronaldo has joined us. Uh, looks like looks like the entire alt right of South Africa is joining us this morning. And I say oh, alt right, please, tongue in cheek. Yeah, 
advisedly. I hate that. I mean, it's just you know anyone anyone right of of uh, Karl Marx, Chairman Mao at the <laughs> yeah. moment is, is considered uh, you know a fascist. And so, and all the would realize. People would also realize, like the the nationalist government of South Africa, the National Party in this country, the apartheid government, were socialists. They were national socialists. They wanted yeah. control over everything. So let's not imagine that we've come out of a right wing world into a a world of you know benign progressivism. We came out of a world that was leftist in nature. It just happened to be nationalist leftist. Well, Ronaldo says, uh, tongue-in-cheek, yeah? I hope you learned your lesson, Gareth. Don't ever mess with the EFF. You are now officially cancelled. Oh, I'm terrified. W- watch me run and hide. Someone, Someone's responding and asking, uh, do your, are your views still the same regarding Julius? Look, I've always maintained Julius's business is politics. And mm. he said as much, and, you know, he... he it's not as if he isn't telling us what his game is. Take him at his word. He is a political animal. Mm. The only way that Julius can earn a living is to do politics. And that means he takes advantage of every situation, whether it involves Germ, Gareth Cliff, Cyril Ramaphosa, um, or anyone else. And he takes advantage of those people in that moment for, and he postures against them for political gain. Yeah. And a lot of people are persuaded by that. So, Again, I've got to give credit where it's due. Julius is a master politician. I agree with you. I think he's probably one of the best in the country. I think he's one of the best in the world. He's a, you mm. know, in this before this wave of populism started hitting in Europe and America, Julius was operating it here in South Africa, and he was operating it within the ANC, and then afterwards, outside of the ANC. He's a master at it. Julius is no idiot. I have a lot of respect for him. I disagree with just about everything he stands for and everything he believes in. But who knows if he even really believes in those things because he might just be doing it for political opportunity. I always thought that uh, Julius would go back to the ANC and it looks like I was wrong. Um, But, I mean, I always thought that he was by heart an ANC uh, member and is just just playing the EFF. Temporarily, he is, he is the, the the EFF is no the EFF is just really a, a it's an ICU for disgruntled people that's outlived its purpose. Um, it was it was a place for them to go after they were thrown out of the ANC, and and now it's become something. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, a grievousness um, party. It's it's really and and the ANC Youth League was the same thing. You know, they get deployed. Um, like cadres, mm-hmm. they get deployed to deal with student stuff and to cause controversies and to um, and to fight kind of anyone who disagrees with the ANC. It's 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 all very. This is this is quite sub. You know, it's quite standard. It's not even substandard. It's it's standard. Um, so I'm not surprised. You know, no, uh, that surprises me. Uh, a guy called Grant Makeley has joined us, and he is a uh, sort of an underground cartoonist in South Africa, and in my view, one of the funniest. He's not political at all, but he does hilarious, hilarious sort of uh, web comic type stuff, and he's local, and uh, he's he, he he's completely underrated in my view. But where I'm going with this is that Gareth, I am so disappointed in my fellow political cartoonists. Is it just me, or is no cartoonist, including our friend starting with the last letter of the alphabet, um, just not being aggressive enough in their satire. 
I don't understand. Uh, we're, we're in probably one of the worst economic disasters um, in living memory. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. In living yeah, in is, living this memory, is, this is your this is your gripe. I I don't I don't care what cartoonists do until I see what they do. And and you're not seeing what they do because they're not no, doing I mean, much. I think generally people are just lacking in courage. I mm. mean, look at big business. Look at business in this country. How how many of you of, of the big businesses in this country can you get to actually no, speak out? They're not speaking out against the lockdown. The lockdown, which is actually breaking their businesses to pieces, and they still won't say a thing. No, they won't, because they're afraid. They're terribly afraid to be called racist. Yeah. Or they're afraid to be called misogynist. Or, or white white privileged or something. Privileged and. You know what it's going to get you? It's going to get you your business collapsing. That's what it's going to get you. And certainly no sympathy from uh, Cyril Ramaphosa and the ANC. No. This is madness. And, so uh, and, and Zap won't even come on my show. I've, I've asked him to come and chat no, about this but, whole thing, and he won't do it. But you know that. I mean, it's like uh, the number of times that I've invited uh, Eusebius MacKaiser or Cizuet Lomo on my show, and mm. they've, always, they've always turned me down because these are not, these are not brave people. Well, I, I, one thing I can say is that you are brave, but I've got to also say, Gareth, I think there is something to be said about being more independent and the correlation between that and bravery. I think the moment your salary is coming from one single source and the boss wants you to abide by the rules, it, it, it does become a bit of a, uh, a, a, an iffy situation. Yeah, I think that's just the reality for most people. And I don't expect everyone to put their life on the line every time they're, they're forced to make a, a choice between something that they, they believe in in principle mm. and something that they're willing to. You know, this is something I've I've had to face many times. And even over this weekend when I wrote that letter and it got a huge amount of blowback on black Twitter and, and mm. everywhere else, I think to myself, okay, I could just carry on with my life quietly, run this business I've already removed myself from the face of it to a large degree you know it's not mm. dependent on me like it once was and it's not my product there are lots of shows that we're producing that have nothing to do with me at the moment mm. and many of these are for our clients and they're brilliant they're really really interesting terrific series and they're doing a wonderful job of marketing the, these businesses and telling their stories and they don't involve me but a part of me says just quietly live a very happy life just do your thing you don't have kids so you can always you know move to Neisner or Cape Town or Durban or if you don't like Joburg anymore and you just carry on living your life I mean you've got an online business so you can stay at home under lockdown circumstances forever if you choose but then the other part of me is like no actually how do you really know you're free and this is where it bothers me and it keeps me up at night you only know you're free if there are no people that you can't criticize. Yeah. If you if you can say what you really think and you can do what you say, that's also the definition of integrity to me. And if you don't I have agree. integrity and you don't have principle, I agree. How do you even know you're alive, frankly? What's the point? You're really existing and you're allowing material luxuries to placate you. And this is where I think a lot of business people and a lot of uh, these these people you're criticizing who want as um, as sharp as they might be in their criticism of others, um, these people are just contenting themselves with luxuries. Oh, it's okay. I'll just I'll live for the weekend. I'll see my friends and family. I'll have a few drinks. I'll be able to send my kids to a private school. Mm. I can sleep on good linen. 
Um, I can go on overseas trips every now and then. So why should I cause a stir? You know, you don't have to cause a stir. Why are you doing that, Gareth? What's your problem? Why can't you just shut up and not embarrass all the rest of us? But don't you think, Gareth, that people like you and I, with with the way in which we uh, poke at society, makes us appear to be arrogant pricks? Well, people called me arrogant from day one. And I've always said that South Africans have this uneasy relationship um, where they don't understand the difference between the word arrogant and confident because we are a country that is taught, and I think it's Calvinism that's partly responsible mm. for this, but I think we're taught that you know, you must be humble. The, the, the word mm. humble and the, word, and the idea of humility is completely overrated in South Africa. Now, I believe you know, if, if someone who's achieved something, if, you're, if you are Usain Bolt, you're allowed to be as arrogant as you like because you could back it up with results. Then mm. it's not called arrogance, it's called confidence. If you are confident and you can back it up with results, you are entitled to be as confident as you like, even if it makes people uncomfortable and even if it makes people who will never beat you feel bad about themselves. That's got nothing to do with humility. And someone who's never done anything in their lives, someone who's never achieved a thing, never made something out of nothing, never created anything, thought of anything, written anything, sung anything um, made a difference to society in any way those people they have no business being anything but humble so it's not mm. an achievement God. if you've done fuck all yeah. you should be humble and that's not to say that humility isn't valuable yeah. but humility is valuable when it's being exercised by someone who who has achieved something and when you're throwing around the word arrogant it usually to me is a form of projection it's it arrogance comes the word arrogant seems to be used by people who are doing nothing and are, they're resentful again it's the politics of resentment i've never used the word arrogant to describe anybody if i don't mm. like them i don't like them i right. say i don't like her she's not a nice person or i don't like him he seems to be um he seems to be a little bit too uh critical of others or he's um he's dangerous he's got he's got dangerous opinions or he's thoughtless or he's unkind but to use the word arrogant I, if you've ever heard me use it please out mm -mm. me right now i will i will take that and i will put it into my book of 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 lessons learned and i will try to improve but i don't use that word i don't like to use that word it never comes from strong yeah people. i agree by the way you've got a piano can you play it very badly, very badly. I'm a I'm a rubbish musician. The, lock, the lockdown should have. You know that, that that's funny. You bring that up. It's the one thing that I wish more than anything I had. If we're going to be resentful, if it's I'm that. allowed to be jealous, well, this is know, what you must learn to play, Gareth. Get yourself one of these. What do you got there? <laughs> it's the most fun you'll have for one and a half thousand rand. Ukulele. Yes. My my sister my sister plays. Lady, and she, she's really good. Uh, sorry, hang on. I dropped my earphone. I can't hear you. There we go. I've got it back. It um, is a hell of a lot of fun. My sister's been playing the ukulele for probably about six or seven years now, and she's really good. Um, I, I don't want, I don't want to learn to play the ukulele. I, I'm a bit of a purist in that respect. You must play instruments that have existed for at least two hundred years. Gareth, and if this one, if the, these have, it's been in, in Hawaii, which doesn't count. Listen. If it was good enough for Paul McCartney, it's good enough for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I, here's the thing that I was getting at. The thing that I really wish I could do, and it's just not in me. I don't have that talent. 
and I'm very, very sad about it. I'm, I'm quite bitter about it. It's like I would love to be able to write a great song, like one of the really great songs. Gareth Dillon. To be able to, yeah, just you know, come up with one of those songs that other people hum that lasts for a hundred yes. years. That would be oh, I could die tomorrow if I just wrote that song. So all my enemies who don't like me and 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 have never met me, please give me a great song. Don't claim credit. Let me claim credit, and then I will die willingly and get out of your way. So, 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 listen. So, we we've got a few minutes left. So, let's quickly up up the uh, up the entertainment value. Yeah, Ronaldo wants to know. Well, he doesn't want to know. Sorry, he's he's saying that that's a beautiful stuffed animal behind you. Which taxidermist did you use? Oh, it's alive. Look, see, it's alive. <laughs> it's alive. Come here, Tom. Here we are. Ugh, alive and well. Good boy. Check those eyes. I know. Such a good dog. Yes, what a good dog. All right, thank you. Well, as you know, my wife's a vet. Oh, that's proof enough. As you know, my wife's a vet, so you don't want to uh, uh, let her see you doing anything that vets disapprove of. By the way, do not feed your... Do not feed Carl bones, Gareth. No, no, I don't. No, he's got tiny little teeth. He wouldn't manage. Yeah. Listen, if Carl were out in the wild, this just proves, again, isn't it marvelous how natural selection works and how you can select against natural selection and breed dogs like this? But dogs because if, can't if live if in the wild. Him, if you put him in the wild, I mean, he'd last a day and a half and he'd be dead. He'd be eaten by something. Or, But he's a marvelous companion animal. And uh, thank goodness that, that some... You know, some twisted mind back in, I don't know, the 1600s decided to breed these dogs because they're just such sweet-natured, lovely things. Yeah, but I've got to also just uh, correct you. Dogs can't live in the wild. They're man-made. All no, dogs. People don't realize this, but all dogs you imagine, are man-made. Imagine if you're a, imagine if you're a wolf and yeah. you get shown what your progeny in a couple of hundred years might look like. You'd be horrified. If you were a wolf and you saw Carl, you'd be like, what yeah. the hell is that? That's a disgrace. Um. You've, I don't know how I don't know how I got to this thought, but I, there was something that I thought about. We watched Jurassic Park or Jurassic World or something a few nights ago, and uh-huh. here's something I want to know. Have you ever thought about this, Gareth? Why were dinosaurs so big? Number one, and secondly, how come they over what a hundred million years or however long they lived? How come they didn't ever evolve into something of significance? like we have in a short, short space of time. There were three major periods. There was the Triassic, the Jurassic, and the Cretaceous period, right? And through those three periods, which were a couple of million years, dinosaurs changed significantly. What are you talking about? Well, in what? In a space of 100,000 years? Like those, you sound like those people who say, oh, no, because we don't look like chimpanzees, we can't have descended from the same ancestor as chimpanzees. Well, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. In a space of, what, 100,000 years, we've managed to literally exit planet Earth. Yes. Okay, dinosaurs learned to fly before anything else, and they've become birds. I mean, they're still evolving. Yeah, they're birds. Yeah, you are right. A a T-Rex, by the way, is related to a bird. What kind of, what what stupid question this is, or what kind of stupid answer you want me to give in in response? It's ridiculous. All right, all right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. And it is true that a chicken is related to a T-Rex. How funny is that? Uh, And chickens, by the way, um, this is something interesting that Professor Lee Berger, who discovered Australopithecus sediba, told me a while ago. If we had to line up all the species on Earth by their success and say, in evolutionary and natural selection terms, 
these are the most successful species on earth humans would come first and chickens would probably be next because <laughs> we've made them so useful to us that we've expanded their population to a number that it could never have been in nature and therefore chickens are probably the most successful after humans <laughs> in terms of the amount of DNA for chickens that is available on earth Ronaldo says the earth is 6,000 years old and I'm leaving this conversation right now Oh boy, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Gareth, quickly. You are one of the most well-read guys I know, um, perhaps other than Steve, who's also heavily well-read. Um, what are you reading at the moment, or, or what can you recommend as a, as a good oh. lockdown read? I'm going to say the same book that I've been stuck with for the last three weeks. I haven't made any progress. It's called Prisoners of Geography. Um and, and it's basically about the borders that are formed by natural um, phenomena. Like mountains, mountains oceans. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it, it goes through each continent, starts off with Russia and then looks at China. And what the, the, the definition of those countries is geographically and how the geography of those countries has affected the way that the people in them have behaved, foreign policy has been formulated, mm. and everything else to do with those countries. It's a really interesting book, but I'm, I'm sorry I don't have a more interesting answer for you mm. because the I was reality hoping you is I, just, I honestly have not been reading nearly the amount that I would like to have been reading. Can I recommend and, and one I'm or two books of to you? Of course you can. Um, do you know Matt Ridley's work? No. Uh, Get Yourself the Evolution of Everything by Matt okay. Ridley. It is an outstanding book. Um, I've bought the audiobook and the Kindle version because oh, it's like so an good. an ambitious project, the evolution of everything? Um, no, it's actually brilliant. Um, he basically argues that... I'm not saying it's not brilliant, but it's very ambitious to say that you're going to talk about the evolution of everything, isn't it? Um, yeah, it sounds like that, but, but he, he breaks it down. What he basically argues is that he argues against the idea that... I'm teasing you. I, oh, right. I, I, I wrote a book called Gareth Cliff on Everything. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes, sorry. That went over my head. Sorry. Uh, and, and people thought, oh, this arrogant. You know, again, there's that arrogance yes. thing. So, yes. Okay, so the, uh, well, the evolution of everything. The evolution, he basically argues that everything evolves, uh, not just bi biologically, but language evolves, uh, ideas evolve. Um, he, 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 he's actually damn correct. He says that a, a bottom-up structure is, is how the world works rather than top-down structure. Um, and it's a really good read. I strongly recommend it. Uh, it will really red pull um, anybody who reads it, to be honest. Um, good book. And another another excellent book um, is um, Stephen Pinker's book, The Blank Slate. Oh, yes. Okay, very good. Uh, Pinker's terrific. I've, mm. I've, um, I've seen lots of his interviews and I've read, I, I think I might have read... Oh God! Now we're talking a couple of years ago. Um, he he wrote one seminal work, which I think was was fairly well uh, received all over the world. And I can't remember for the life of me what it's called now. But I've read that. Um, and you're saying, is this the new one that you're talking about? Yeah, the blank slate is is very similar. Uh, the one you're referring to is something about language. Um, uh, mm -hmm. But I can't remember it now. But but. This one is not really seminal work, but it's kind of like a summary of all his other work, which is a, which why, why it's a good read. Oh, and Ronaldo says a good read is the Bible. He he's trolling. <laughs> Mind you, though, the Bible is actually a good read. If you you see, this just proves this just proves politicians have nothing to do but troll us on on some bloody YouTube show. Well, Gareth, before we go, Beth wants <laughs> to know: Can she buy your books online? 
what my books mm. I, I think they're still available uh, they should be and if they aren't then pester the people who who publish them Jonathan Ball publishes they should be putting them out and then before we go Gareth you have to respond there are so many comments asking for Puza Thursday mm. yeah I, I, I'm sure but there's nothing I can do about that I did an interview yesterday with a guy called Tim Hutchinson who is the uh, CEO of DGB, they're, they're major distributors of wine and other liquor. And he was just talking about the difficulties that the, the liquor industry are having at the moment, obviously under lockdown mm. and these ridiculous re regulations, which are not only going to cost jobs, but are also going to ruin some of the legitimate liquor businesses. Some of them, you know, uh, very old and established businesses. And what it's going to do is open the gate to illicit trade and smugglers and bad quality liquor that could be quite dangerous and and I advise you to listen to it it's only about 12-15 minutes but Tim is really quite erudite on the subject and it's worth paying attention you can get that on cliffcentral.com it's almost as if Gareth that that has never happened before in history where people have been banned from making alcohol and then made it behind the scenes right well, you can still make it. Uh, yeah, I've, I mean, this is this has happened so many times. It happened in the Prohibition in America. It happened uh, countless times mm. in medieval Europe and in Russia in the, in the 1980s. You know, um, again, you would think, even if they hadn't read a book about the Prohibition in America and only Marx, that maybe our friends who are comrades with all that are the Comintern and, and, and socialism worldwide that they might have seen what Gorbachev tried to do in the Soviet Union in the mm. 1980s when he tried to make it a dry country. It really backfired badly. Not only did people start making very dangerous alcohol in their houses, but they ended up with the drunkest president in the world once Gorbachev had left. <laughs> they voted for a man who was so fucking drunk, this guy was basically <laughs> stumbling over himself and falling asleep at major international conventions and, and, and summits. Boris Yeltsin has to have been the drunkest person in political power <laughs> in modern history. The drunkest. By a, by a New York mile. Oh, okay, I wish we could chat more, but Gareth, I have to earn a living. Uh, yeah, so do I. So, I really, <laughs> really enjoyed your time. Thank you for joining me. Um, Thanks, Steve. Always good to see you, and thank you very much. No, and uh, thank you to everybody in the comments and for the super chats and whatnot. Gareth, don't go anywhere. Thank you, everybody. Uh, obviously, blah, 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 cliffcentral.com. There you go, all the plugging stuff. Uh, cheers. See you guys soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.